You're listening to Life Repurposed with Michelle Rayburn, where you'll find uplifting and practical advice for everyday living, creative inspiration for do-it-yourself projects, and recommendations for books and resources that will encourage you to embrace your life repurposed. I'm your host, Michelle Rayburn. Hey friends, welcome to episode number 71 of Life Repurposed. I'm so happy to have a guest with us today. So we'll get to Amber really soon, but just want to give you a little bit of background about her before we get rolling. Amber Cullum is the host of the Grace Enough podcast. She's first a child of God, but she's also wife to Sam, a mom of three, and a physical therapist turned stay-at-home mom. She loves connecting women with God, with people, with resources to spur them on in their walk with Jesus, and to remind them that God's grace is enough. So I want you to listen in as Amber and I talk about what it means to have a before and after story and how that really isn't about like this one big moment where we can pinpoint that that's when we came to know Christ. That is an important moment in our life, but we talk in our interview about how it's those day-to-day moments of this is how I used to handle things and this is how I handle them now. That's the process of becoming like Jesus and being a disciple of Jesus. So here we go with the interview with Amber Cullum. I want to welcome Amber to the show. Thank you for having me. It's nice to be here. So we are fellow podcasters and we met through the Christian Podcasters Association. This is our first time really chatting one-on-one. I know. It's exciting. I love all the people that I've gotten to know through CPA and just the opportunity for a little one-on-one time is nice. Yeah. And at the end of the show, we're going to talk about Amber's show too. So I'll be talking about the Grace Enough podcast. But for now, I think it's really fun that we've made this connection. Amber interviews a lot of people. So it's always fun when you get two interviewers together to sit down and talk. So Amber, I don't really know your backstory, so I would love to hear a little bit about what God has done in your life, maybe starting back at the first time you experienced a crisis of faith. Yeah. Um, Well, I grew up in eastern Kentucky, and that doesn't hold a lot of weight for a lot of people. But if you know anything about Appalachia, a lot of the stereotypes that people will put on on, you know, Appalachia is poverty. Um, lack of education, you know, drug crisis, those types of things. And so while much of those stereotypes are true, just like every stereotype, that is not totally true. And so I grew up in an area surrounded with some things like that, um, but in a very loving home. And um, I had grandparents around me. And, you know, the great thing about growing up in an area like Appalachia, is the other stereotype you may hear that's positive is that really tight-knit type of family. A lot of people stay close to home, and there's a lot of benefits in that. And so I uh, was in a really small town, but I I can't say that I grew up in a Christian family that was really walking out their faith, but instead, it's just part of the culture. And so even if you're not a Christian, um, you just kind of are around it. You're not, um, it's not foreign to you by any mean. Now that means the gospel may be foreign to you, but this idea that you go to church on Sunday and, you know, people go to lunch on Sunday afternoons, like that's very normal. And so that's kind of how I grew up. 
But um, I did have an aunt and uncle who were um, very strong believers, very involved in the church. And when I was really, really young, my mom and my grandmother were as well. And at some point we stopped going to church. And to be honest with you, Michelle, I have no idea why. Like, I still don't really know why, except my mom was one of those people who was basically, you know, drugged to church every single time the doors were open. And so I think there was just parts of that she did not like. And so my first real crisis of faith, you know, I was a middle schooler um, and, you know, I was at this play at our church where basically, you know, they scare the hell out of you quite literally. And <laughs> And you're like, oh my gosh, I mean, I don't want that to happen to me. I don't want to spend eternity in this place called a hell where there's fire and awful things. Um, But I do want this over here. So that's probably the first time um, that I really started considering what does it mean to belong to Jesus? When did you learn about his love? Yeah, I mean, throughout high school, I was very much um, a typical teenager, very rebellious. Um, I often say, you know, if you read through some of, I think it's Ephesians, where they're talking about basically what a sinner is, you know, sexual immorality, (laughs) um, all of the things, manipulation, it doesn't say that, but it basically does slander, like that was me. I mean, that was very descriptive of my high school years. But there was something in me all that time that definitely, um, like when when something would happen, I had this one Christian CD I would always go back and listen to, or I would find myself journaling and asking God, like, why am I doing this? And so as a college freshman, I went through a really just horrible breakup and my heart was broken. And it was through college ministry and just getting involved in the Fellowship of Christian Athletes that I began to see people who were my peers, and they weren't just religious. They were actually engaged with the Bible. They were engaged with other believers. They cared about what um, was happening to the people around them. And as I began to pay attention to that, I mean, I just felt the love of God really um, draw me in and keep pursuing me when really I wasn't asking or wanting to be pursued. Mm. So would you say from there, when you graduated, did you continue with the same relationship with Christ or did you have some moments where you went back to your old ways? Yeah, I mean, as a sophomore in college, like God completely changed my life. Um, I think sometimes when you're on this faith journey, it can be really, really hard to see some of the subtle changes. Yeah. But at that point, the change was very obvious because I went from this crazy, rebellious teenage type behavior to where now, I mean, my friends, you know, on Friday and Saturday nights, we were just hanging out, talking, doing Bible study, um, You know, we were going to FCA during the week. And while those were activities, there was still true transformation happening. It wasn't just a I'm showing up to have friends. Um, You know, my my roommates were believers. And so, of course, you have some faith crisis where you make some decisions along the way and you're still battling your flesh. But from that point forward, I mean, I 
I knew the love of Christ was so real and I wanted to walk with him from that point forward and was so grateful that, I mean, really, I have been able to do that. And I know it's only by his grace that that's been possible. Yeah, I love that. So you went to school, I think I read in your bio, to for physical therapy? Yeah. Uh, and are you working as a physical therapist now? I'm not. I um, graduated and worked for five years as a physical therapist. And then um, I got married and moved to Florida. And after my first child was born, I only, I mean, I worked every now and then, but I didn't work very often. And then when my daughter was born, I stopped working. So it's been eight years since I've worked as a therapist. And sometimes I think I'll go back to it because it's a great profession. Um, But no, I stay at home and school them and podcast myself. Yeah. I went to school for nursing and got a bachelor degree in nursing. And I only worked for a couple of years too, and then decided to stay home with the kids. And God took me in a different direction. So what's it been like for you going in that different direction? Well, you know, I'll I'll never forget. um, I, we had moved to Florida and I mean, talk about a faith crisis. Some people are probably like, what do you mean moving? It's not a big deal. But as I told you earlier, I grew up in this small town. And even though I lived for 10 years away from uh, my hometown, I was still in Kentucky within a few hours of my family. And so when we, when my husband lost his job, like all the crash of, I don't know, was that 2008, 2009? Yeah, right around there. Yeah, we moved to Florida, which is where he was from. And it just rocked my world. Um, And I did not want to go. It's hard to explain, but I wasn't sure if I was going to work or not, um, even though I didn't have kids at the time. So I started doing some contract physical therapy and um, I got the opportunity to interview for what to me at the time was a dream job. That is being a partial professor at a physical therapy school and still in the clinic practicing. So, but I mean, it's a lot of work, right? It's a lot of hours. And so they call, I go to the interview I mean, I was just, I couldn't believe I got offered the position. It was at University of South Florida. And I find out the same day that I'm pregnant. Oh. (laughs) And I had known from working in a very busy clinic in the past that I do not handle that level of stress well. Mm -hmm. And even though I loved it, um, there were a lot of things I was pretty miserable in, right? Mm -hmm. And so... Here I am at this crossroads of what do I do? And um, with, through some prayer and talking with my husband, it was like, you have to say no to the job. Like, you can't do this. You've, you've had a heart to stay home with your kids. And so it was hard. It yeah. was hard because it was letting go of a dream. Um, and I think about that sometimes still. And I think, would you make a different choice now? And I wouldn't. I would still stay home and not because home was easy. Um, as a matter of fact, in some ways, I think staying home has been harder. <laughs> but um, I, it is worth it. And I'm so grateful that it's even been an option mm-hmm. that I didn't have to go and take that. And so, um, you know, as I've thought about getting back into practicing now, I feel like I'm kind of at that crossroads again of like, Lord, what do you, what do I do? I have a feeling there are some listeners who have experienced that where they're at a crossroads and 
wondering what the next thing is. How does someone learn how to trust God more deeply when they're in that decision process like that? Yeah, I mean, I would love to say, oh, every single time, um, I just do. (laughs) But instead, it's been a lot of, you know, frustration and um, a lot of going to my husband and expressing dissatisfaction. Um, And he is pretty quick to come back and say, um, the first thing he'll ask me is, tell me five things you're thankful for. And so one way I do feel like you can learn to really trust God is to focus on what you do have instead of what you don't have. Yeah. Um, or focus on what is good and lovely and pure in your life versus what is frustrating and dissatisfying and um, what that feeling of empty. And so I really established that early on um, after my husband started asking me some of those questions about gratitude because I realized I can just spin out of control really fast. So that's one thing I would tell people is if you want to learn to really trust God in the hard, get in a habit now of practicing gratitude daily. Yes. Uh, Whether that's opening your journal and laying it on your counter and forcing yourself to write things down, um, it makes a difference. It it gets you out of that cycle so much faster. Mm. And then the second thing I would say is years and years ago, um, I did Experiencing God, the Bible study. And um, one of the challenges there was to write down your Joshua stones. So meaning when Joshua was called across the Jordan River, God told them, pick up one stone to represent every tribe and stack those up as a remembrance for what I have done for you. Yes. And so having your own Joshua stones allows us to, in the moment, look back and say, okay, God, when I moved to Florida, you were faithful to provide a home, provide friends, provide a church. You were the same God there that you were in Kentucky. Or when I experienced this heartbreak, you know, in the moment, I felt like I could not breathe. But 10 years down the line, this is what I saw you do in that moment. And so I feel like just having those markers along the way and practicing acknowledging the faithfulness of God really does help you to trust him in the moment when you're thinking, I can't breathe right now. Those are the two big things. Yeah. Our listeners can't see what's on the video, but behind me on my chalkboard, I wrote grace and gratitude because I needed that reminder. So it makes me think about your podcast and you're talking about gratitude. Let's continue talking about how God has repurposed in your life. Okay, I think it would be important for my listeners to hear what about your story points people to God. Because when he takes us out of the workplace and puts us at home, or he takes us from home, puts us in the workplace, wherever God puts us in life, in our community, there is something about our story that points people to him. So what is it about your before and after story that points people to to Christ? Well, what I love about that question is that when you think about before and after, I have to always think in terms of we're always before and after. Yes. Um, 
it's not, you know, before I was a Christian, this was true. And then after I was a Christian, this is true. Or before I was a stay at home mom, um, this was true. And after this was true. It's a both and, yes. right? Like yes. it's, we're constantly in the before and after that's sanctification. And so speaking of those Joshua stones, it's things like before I was a believer and understood the love of God, I was so reckless in my life and I didn't even have a care really about how my actions affected others. But after I became a Christian, God began doing a work in me and saying, you know, you really wounded that person. Um, and I'm going to work in you to show you that you've wounded that person mm-hmm. and what needs to change in you so that that ceases to be true. Now, does that mean I've never wounded anybody from that point forward? No, it's the great struggle of my life being insensitive towards the needs of others. But again, if I could see myself on this timeline, I would see this work of God that says, oh my goodness, the person you were when you were 22 is not the person you are at 42. Yeah, There has been a change in you and it's a slow, steady work of God throughout your life. Um, and so it's hard for me to come up with these specifics because we are both, you know, sinner and saint. Mm-hmm. We are both broken and beautiful. Um, we're, you know, I am both full of fits of rage, yet tender and empathetic towards people. Yeah. Um, and it's really only the grace of God that that empathy shows up because it was not a marker of my life before. Um, and so I don't know if that fully answers your question, but I do want anybody listening to know that that struggle of, oh my goodness, I've struggled with this my whole life. It's not getting any better. Why? You know, God, if I'm truly a new creation, why does this happen? You are a new creation. God has made you a new creation, but that flesh and blood in you, you will struggle and there will be a tension with that for the rest of your life. And so you just keep going back to him and saying, show me how to be more like you. And you got to trust that he's doing that work in you. Yes, that's exactly, that's a perfect answer because that's exactly what life repurposed is about for me. I don't have a dramatic before and after story. And so we often think that we have like, that should be a moment. Like I was this person, I was on the street, you know, I, I, I had nothing left and then Jesus came into my life. Every single day is a before and after opportunity because I can choose to handle it the way I did yesterday or I can learn from it. So when I'm having a discussion with my husband and I have harsh words, that will come up again. But 20 years ago, I didn't like to issue the apology very quickly and I'm learning how to do that. So that's one of those before and after things. So yes, the daily stuff that we do is part of that story. That's right. It yeah. really is. And it's so important that um, the enemy wants us to just constantly berate and beat ourselves up because that holds us captive. Yes. And I am as guilty of doing that as the next person is. But again, through pra- consistent practice of gratitude, 
having those Joshua stones, focusing on brokenness and beauty um, has allowed me to get out of that mindset quicker. And so it's just a practice that takes, I mean, it's a lifelong practice. I, I think that it's disappointing that on some social media platforms, we try to leave out that struggle and mm-hmm. make everything appear polished and perfect. We have it all together. And I think the best thing we can do is be vulnerable and let people see that we struggle too so that they don't think that, well, I must not be a good enough Christian if I don't have it all together. That's right. So true. Nobody does. Nobody no. has it all together. <laughs> no. no, people who write books still struggle with the things they write about. That's just how it is. People who podcast still struggle yes. with those things. I That's love right. that you're real about your story. What is God doing in your life right now? Oh, what is God doing in my life right now? Um, I feel right now that there is a humility taking place, like God is really humbling me to let me know that I am not in control and that when I try to take control, things, control is like this, you're grasping at the air, nothing can happen. And so I always have a hard time like uh, explaining what I'm talking about because anybody who's a control freak knows this. I am but one, it's, so I understand. <laughs> right. I mean, God has shown me so much, honestly, through podcasting that you can put in all this work, but at the end of the day, it is not about you being glorified. It is not about your platform being built or, um, you know, your desires being met. And that's a humbling thing because it's really easy to say, I podcast. Because I want others to know Jesus better. But your heart may start out that way and how quickly you can turn it into being all about you, which is what I have been guilty of doing. If I grind harder, then I'll grow. If I get this person on the podcast, I'll grow. And so God has really been very tender with me to just say, um, come back. And remember why you started. Yeah. And so that is a constant work in my life that I'm embarrassed to admit, but it's true. <laughs> I don't, yeah, let's not be embarrassed about those things though, because yeah. that's where, that's where God gets the glory because we can just point to him and say, this is a work only you could have done. Because on my own, I tend to go in the wrong direction. And only through that daily surrender can I end up in the right place. So I love that humility. And, um, you know, it's like, if we claim to be a humble person, (laughs) then we're probably not. (laughs) So I feel like that wrestling a little bit with that idea of, is this me or is this you, Lord? That's what keeps us right in that zone where he can do something. Yeah. And it's so interesting to... Um, when you think about pride, I think there are these big ideas that come into our mind. But when you really start digging deep, I mean, a pride affects the majority of things that we do. Yeah. And so when you really start thinking about it, it's like, oh, 
wow, I had no idea I was that prideful of a yeah. person. Um, but yes, I, it's, it's very, it kind of crosses all barriers. Pride does. It does. It's the thing that makes us not want to admit we're wrong. The thing that makes us want to tell a white lie because we don't want to say yes. the truth. All of that. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Let's talk about your podcast. I want to hear about Grace Enough. Tell us how you got started and tell us a little bit about your mission with that podcast. Yeah, Grace Enough is, um, well, well, I'll tell you how I got started first. I, as I said earlier, I'm a stay-at-home mom. I love to connect with women. I love to talk about Jesus. I love to connect people with resources and each other. Um, It's just kind of naturally who I am. I tend to be that way at church and whatever I'm involved in, you know, I'm always going, oh, so-and-so, you know, has that problem. Let me, you know, she's walked through this. Let me see if I can get you connected with her. And so I just really started thinking and I'd been challenged when I had gone to this women's luncheon um, to dream again, like pretend there's nothing that's holding you back. If you could do anything and, you know, time wasn't an issue, money wasn't an issue, what would you do? And so as I started thinking about that, I was like, oh, you know, I would really love to be a speaker. I'd love to be a podcaster. Um, I just think it would be fun because I enjoy podcasting. I enjoy speaking. And so that kind of set the trajectory of, oh, could I make this happen? And um, the reality was like, yeah, I mean, podcasting, while there's these little there's a lot of steps to get there. It's mm-hmm. very easy to do from home. It's very easy to um, do if you have children. I know some people would say, no way. <laughs> but it's just like anything else. You just train them to, okay, mommy has this, mommy has that. Um, so stay downstairs and, you know, watch your show right now. This is your one time that you get to watch your TV show. <laughs> I had or to whatever. train my husband. He was yeah. banging on something in the basement yesterday <laughs> when I was trying to record a show. <laughs> I know, and you're like, Stop. That was my husband with the leaf blower the other day. I'm like, open up the window. Hey, babe, could you please take that to the other side of the house until, you know, <laughs> until um, this part's over. So anyways, that's kind of what launched me into it. And the mission of Grace Enough has evolved a little bit in the last, I mean, I'm coming up on two years in February. And it really started as, I want to share the way that God's kingdom can be impacted through lives of people from all walks of life, um, you know, and from all places and races. And sometimes I think we underestimate the way that God can use a life, um, you know, just the depth and the height and the breadth of the way that he works and circumstances is astounding yeah. to me. And, you know, that also sometimes brings awareness to things. You interview someone that maybe has been sex trafficked and um, you see all of a sudden, wow, you know, they just told us a story about the little ways they saw God in their life, Mm -hmm. even in that, even when they were in the middle of this horrible experience. Mm -hmm. And now they're serving the Lord through this. But also... I feel like it's kind of evolved a little bit from that to be very similar, but also, you know, grace enough. What does that mean? It means that, you know, God is really enough for us. He is the only one that can cover our sin. It's not I'm enough. Mm. It's not I'm worthy enough. 
It's not, um, I get to do whatever because I am enough. Um, it's because God's grace is enough yeah. to cover our sin stories. Um, and it's his power in us and through us. And even if you're not a believer, it's the common grace of God that you are doing good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that's kind of how it's evolved a little bit. And it's been really a wonderful, fun journey. Hard, a lot of work, as you know, but it's been a really, really wonderful journey. Yeah. So each week you tell a different person's story. Yeah. Sometimes it's not fully stories. So it may be topic driven, but usually at the beginning, if it's topic driven, um, for example, this past week, Hannah Anderson was on and she's that one. Yeah. And I mean, she's just a beautiful writer. She writes from her heart. Um, and she has written a book, the art of discernment, um, well, recovering the lost art of discernment. But the reason why she wrote that was out of her personal experience mm-hmm. of seeing like, wow, as believers, we struggle so much with identifying good. Mm-hmm. So we back out of it and we say, if we protect ourselves from everything bad, then we'll have discernment, you know, we'll be good or, you know, quote unquote. Um, but instead it's pursuing those things that are important. Mm-hmm. And so while that was topical, it was also a little bit of her story as she shared you know, kind of why she wrote that, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. So I wanted to feature your podcast because I think my listeners would really appreciate the content. It really dovetails with the same, the the whole life repurpose concept in many ways in that it's showcasing how our experiences point to God's glory and not our own. And so I really love that part of it. So people can find that at graceenoughpodcast.com. But I will also have a link in the show notes at michellerayburn.com slash 71. And there I'll put a couple little bonus links in there too, to the website where you can maybe get a little bonus download from Amber's website and link up directly to a couple of the platforms where you can listen to her podcast because Grace Enough is on a lot of platforms. Yeah, (laughs) pretty much anywhere you want to listen. It's there. Yeah. So people who are listening to this podcast are probably already familiar, but I also have show notes because there are some people who just read the blog each week. And so Mm -hmm. that content will be there on michellerayburn.com. Amber, what would you like to leave with my listeners today? Yeah, I mean, just in keeping with what we've already talked about, if you're in a place where maybe you don't have some spiritual disciplines in place because it just seems overwhelming and hard, I would just encourage you to start with some daily gratitude um, in the sense of maybe it's when you wake up before you put your feet on the floor, you say, God, I am grateful for my warm bed. God, I'm grateful that I opened my eyes today. Um, Or maybe it's you lay that notepad out on your kitchen counter and at least five times a day, you just jot something down. It doesn't have to be magnificent. I mean, I remember as a new mom writing, I'm so thankful for toothpaste, right? (laughs) And and it's great to notice those things. And so that's what I would leave with the listener because it really... That's one practice that has transformed aspects of my life that I didn't even know needed to be transformed. Yeah, thank you so much for that message. I appreciate having you here today. I hope that sometime soon we get to sit down for real over coffee 
and get to know each other more. But in the meantime, I'll enjoy seeing you on the Christian Podcasters Association. Thanks, Amber. Thank you, Michelle. You've been listening to Life Repurposed with Michelle Rayburn. Check out tips, resources, and inspiration at michellerayburn.com. I'd love it if you would subscribe to the podcast on your favorite platform, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, or Spotify. I'd also love it if you would like, review, and share the information about this podcast with your friends. Thank you so much for listening.